Welcome to the I Might Be Wrong podcast with Travis Seppala, where we discuss faith, dogmatics, science, math, physics, art, and share conversations with all humans. Well, mostly only the interesting ones. Join me in welcoming and encouraging Travis on this journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Travis Seppala, and I am your host. This is episode two, and thanks so much for joining me. I'd like to just start out this podcast by stating an observation and then just seeing where that observation ends up leading me. The observation is this, that if there's one thing that the internet age and social media has taught me is that it is that human beings by nature are posers and frauds. We like to represent ourselves as something we're not, and we like to do the very best we possibly can do to hide the worst parts of us. And it's interesting that it's the internet that ends up being the thing that really reveals this, I think, not just to me, but to many other people who have observed it, because having grown up in really the advent of the internet, and and really then social media and all of these other different communication platforms, I think the intent or the expectation that a lot of people had is that it was going to have a completely opposite effect. When I can remember being in high school, junior high, that that age, um, mid-90s, when all of a sudden um, the internet came to my school. And this was really a big deal. I remember my teachers and, and other people talking about how this was going to increase our communication ability with, with other people. It was going to give us the ability to collaborate on so many different projects. And as a whole, it was just going to be very beneficial for human beings. And I'm not saying that that hasn't been the result. I mean, a lot of wonderful things have happened as a direct result of this communication. There's no denying that. What I find interesting is this communication happened through, with anonymity, whether it was through emails um, or eventually the big monster in my mind that really began to reveal this was chat rooms. Chat rooms, and then you had AOL, and you had MSN Messenger, and all of these different ways that you could now communicate with people all the way across the world, um, and and you could do so instantaneously. So you could log on to a different chat room, and now all of a sudden you can talk to different people about a number of different things. And speaking just purely from my own experience, what I saw happen, you know, just with myself is that all of a sudden I found myself behaving in ways that I just wouldn't really normally behave if I was having a conversation with another human being just face to face. My general tendency was to be much more shy, withdrawn, and all of a sudden I would find myself being bold and assertive because I couldn't see the person that was across, you know, the table from me, but rather all I was really doing was typing to this computer screen. And so it gave me the ability to do that. At at times, I realized it caused me to be, you know, somewhat of just a troll trying to get a reaction out of people. Honestly, it didn't really bring out the best in me. In, In a lot of cases, it could bring out the absolute worst in me. And I know in speaking to a lot of other people, they said the same thing. But the other thing is, is it gave me the ability um, to just present only the parts of me that I wanted people to see. And this then 
you know, evolved into what we have and we now have with all of these different social media platforms. And that's really what we're doing on a constant everyday basis. We're posting all of these pictures of ourselves and in many cases painting these pictures of our lives for the world around us to see and pretending as though, you know, our our lives are just wonderful and that we just go from one wonderful meal with all of the to another we have different filters that give us the ability to edit out all of the the bad parts of our life even the you know even the the bad features that we don't like physically on ourselves we have the ability to edit all of that kind of stuff and what we end up doing is we end up presenting this image to the world that's not authentic at all it's more a case of this is what we wish we were. This is what I wish my life looked like. This is what I wish I could be. And we live in these fantasy worlds and they're so dangerous because they can take over who we are. And I find that to be so fascinating because of a story that Jesus tells, a story that I'm reminded of so often in my own life. And and it's actually a parable that he was telling and it had and it was in regards to prayer. And, um, and I would like to talk about it in the sense, not, not to talk about prayer in this really deep spiritual sense right now, but to boil prayer down to really what it is. And, and that is, is to have a conversation with God. And, and really what he's talking about is he's talking about this idea that, you know, the relationship that you have with God needs to be an authentic one. And he uses prayer to illustrate this. And so he tells a story where there's a Pharisee and then there's essentially a a tax collector or or just, you know, the worst of society that that enter into the temple. And and the Pharisee immediately goes into pontificating about how wonderful he is and how blessed he is and thanking the Lord about how amazing he is and, and, and going through all of the rituals that you're supposed to go through. And saying all the things that you're supposed to say to God. You know, you're just supposed to start by thanking him and telling him how amazing he is. And then you're supposed to thank him for for how amazing he's made your life. And, and really, this is all that matters. It becomes an exercise in in just performing for other people. And in, in many cases, performing for myself and performing before God. And, and really, there's nothing authentic about it. Now, the story gets really interesting because the next thing he does is he contrasts this individual with uh, another individual who happens to be a tax collector or a publican. And this man, his posture, everything about him is completely different. He's beating himself on the chest and he's simply saying, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. He's acknowledging his brokenness before God. Really you know, making a fool of himself, he might even say, and just begging for some mercy. And what's amazing is that Jesus says that it's this man, the one who approaches God in the midst of his brokenness, the one who is honest before God, the one who is begging for mercy from God, that actually goes away justified. And by justified, what he's what he's really saying is that God gives righteousness to this man, not to the other one, the other one who's so convinced of the righteousness. Now, the reason this story to me is extremely fascinating is it's not an easy thing to do to get to this point um, as an individual. I mean, even if you just take a look at the story, 
I mean, there's so much to that kind of a posture where you would you would simply go and and simply beg for mercy and realize that's all I really have. That's someone who truly is being real with themselves. That's someone who has taken an honest look into their life. That's someone who has done something that requires a lot of courage. And and I would say that this is one of the most uh, daunting things that any individual can do, to actually look at themselves and look at themselves honestly. Take away all the different layers that we would like to put over it you know, take away the pretending, take away the posing and actually look at ourself. And and the reason why that's difficult is we don't need the internet. I'm not it's not as though the internet created this tendency to do this. This is something that we have been doing for millennia. This is something that we do all of the time. We're constantly trying to just put the best foot forward, make a good impression. That's all that really matters, even if you're pretending to be something that you're not rather than just be honest with ourselves, And that's where it starts. A willingness to simply be honest with myself. Be honest with my own brokenness. Be honest with my own faults, my own failings. And, and then it goes on to this understanding that, yeah, and then you're honest before God too. And, and really the only way you can have an authentic relationship with God is to be, be willing to just simply accept yourself for who you are in that brokenness. And my goodness, I mean, I realize just saying something like that, that's an easy thing to say, but it requires just a tremendous amount of courage to do because it means peeling back all of those different defenses that we've set up around ourselves, and just coming to God as we are. But this is what he actually asks of us to simply come as we are, to take away all of the different things that we've surrounded ourselves with, all of different things that we pretend to be, and simply accept who we are. And then on top of it, accept that just as we are, we're accepted by Him. That He loves us just as we are. And that we don't need to pretend to be something that we're not in front of Him. In fact, He, he already knows exactly what's going on. And then to present this to the world around us. And I think this is something that the Christian church has gotten terrible at doing. Because what we do is we we constantly are just pretending to have our lives together. And in many cases, Christianity becomes nothing more than like a righteousness contest where people are trying to get together and pretend like, yeah, my life's all together. There's nothing wrong with me. And honestly, I find that to be not just... Um, ridiculous, but I find it to be really troubling because it, we never actually will have an authentic relationship with God if we're doing that. We're never going to have an authentic relationship even with ourselves, and we're surely not going to have a relationship with other people because if I'm lying to myself about who I am, then I can guarantee you I, I won't. it's not going to be that difficult in my relationship with God just to kind of pretend to be something or pretend to be happy or whatever else it is. And in my prayer life, rather than, than vent to Him, rather than cry out for mercy, rather than ask for help, I'm going to be sitting there thinking to myself, well, what are all the things that I need to say in order to get what I want to get from Him? And so really all I'm trying to do, on some level at least, is manipulate God and lie to him, and lie to myself. And if I'm willing to do that to him, then surely I'm going to be willing to do the exact same thing to the people that are closest to me. 
And if I'm willing to manipulate and deceive and lie to the people that are closest to me, then I'm going to be willing to do it to everybody else around me. And you see, for me, this is another reason why this story is so profound. It goes back to the reason why Jesus told it in the first place. Actually, it says that he told the story because there were people who believed themselves to be righteous. And because they believed themselves to be righteous and perfect, they were then able to justify the fact that they treated others with contempt. And this is where I believe all of this pretending ultimately leads to. We insulate ourselves from any of the different terrible things that we see in the world. We try to convince ourselves that our lives are together. We're trying to constantly convince other people that that we're much better than we actually are. And as a result, we begin to believe it ourselves. We begin to believe that. And we lose contact with something that I think is really, really important. And that is the ability to look out at the world around us, to look out at everybody that we encounter. And no matter how despicable they might appear to be, no matter how malevolent they might appear to be, no matter how much in shambles their life might appear to be, that we would have the ability to look into those situations and those circumstances and into the lives of other people and say, honestly, there but for the grace of God go I. And we're never going to honestly be able to do that unless we've actually had enough courage to be authentic and real with ourselves and to realize that every single one of us is broken. We all have problems. We do. And and there's no point in trying to pretend like we don't. I'm not saying that we should be in, in getting involved in situations where all we're trying to do is kind of like outdo each other where we're saying, well, my life is terrible. No, my life's way worse than yours. You know, my life sucks. No, I, I guarantee you my life sucks even worse than yours sucks. And, and I, that's not what I'm trying to say at all. I'm talking about the ability talk with other people or to have relationships with other people and to have a relationship with our Lord and, and even to have a relationship with ourself that's honest, where I'm actually able to deal with what my weaknesses are. I'm able to simply handle that. And and the reason that's powerful isn't just because of, of the power it gives us in terms of an authentic relationship with God, and it gives us the ability then to look into other people's lives and be and realize, man, I could be in the exact same situation because I can acknowledge my own brokenness. It, it, it doesn't just do that, but it also gives us the ability to improve in our own lives. And that thing, that I think is something that can be so missed in all of this. Um, I guess the easiest way for me to explain this is just to kind of boil it down and to say, say, for example, um, I was just like morbidly obese and and was living a terrible lifestyle um, where I was just completely unhealthy and and everything that I was doing in my life was detrimental to myself. Um, I'm never going to find any need or desire or even any motivation to improve unless I'm at first willing to acknowledge the need that I have for that improvement in my life. And the only way I can honestly do that is I would actually have to look in the mirror and realize I am extremely unhealthy and I'm engaging in habits in my life that are going to kill me and I'm morbidly obese and I need to do something to fix this. 
It means I have to be honest with myself if I'm, if I'm actually going to do that. And in the same way, you know, when we're we, when we have problems that are, you know, not just like that, but other, you know, issues within our life, there's not going to be any improvement that ever happens. There's not going to be any change that happens if we can't first acknowledge the fact that we even have a problem. And that that is something that I feel is really powerful. And I think this is, um, and this is just my personal opinion, but I think this is a big part of what Jesus is also teaching in his Sermon on the Mount, because he talks about the fact that we have this tendency to look at other people's lives and try to improve and repair their lives. And and we just kind of ignore the own pro- the problems that we have in our own life, and and so what he basically says is he says before you try to fix um, the small thing in somebody else's life, you know you better clean up your own life first. And the way he says that is he says before you remove the speck from your brother or your neighbor's eye, remove the log from your your own. And and quite literally, what I believe he's saying is. You know, before you're going to be able to help anybody else in this world, before you're going to be able to improve, you know, offer advice or improve somebody else's life, you better fix your own life first. And that's where this starts. It starts with the idea of, of finding the faults, finding the logs that exist in our own life, finding the different things that are causing problems within our own life. And by identifying those things, then we can find improvement. And it's only then that we should be looking towards other people's lives and seeing a need to help them out or to offer advice. Um, and, and, you know, that's what I, what I think is so fascinating is that, my goodness, when, when, when we, we have a society in which, you know, people are completely unwilling to actually look at their own problems, but man, are they? They're they're just there, and they're ready to to offer you a million different forms of advice for the problems that you might have in your life, whether you ask it, ask for it or not. They have all of the different answers as to what you can do to fix your life right now. And my goodness, don't be that person. Okay, don't be that person. Don't be the person who's obsessed with fixing other people's lives, because first of all, that is a terrible thing to do. It's not our job to fix people. It's our job to have relationships with people and to to accept them in all of their brokenness. And this is why, you know, actually having the willingness to look at ourselves authentically and, and to look at it in a very real way is really powerful because it actually does the exact opposite. Jesus tells a parable where he's basically saying that, you know, when you get into this place where you're convinced of how amazing and how righteous and how perfect you're actually, you actually are, what you end up doing is you treat all sorts of people around you with contempt. And the moment you see them with contempt, the moment you honestly believe that you have the right to repair and fix them and turn them into what you think they should be. Now, on the other hand, if we are simply honest with ourselves and we realize that we're broken and we realize that the message that Jesus is telling us is that even though you're broken, that God has declared you to be righteous, that God actually invites you in this way in your brokenness to come before him. Well, then at that point in time, first of all, you understand that you don't have to do anything in order to gain his love, to gain his acceptance. And and at the same time, you've had enough courage to look at the parts of yourself that we don't like 
And instead of judging other people, when we see that same thing occurring in their own life, we'll respond instead with mercy, with kindness, with empathy, and come alongside them and encourage them in the midst of that. And definitely don't try to fix them because anybody, any one of us who's been through something really difficult or has been through some really hard circumstances, almost anybody I know, myself included, can attest to the fact that there's always there's going to be a certain groups of people that come along and they're going to come up to you and simply say, here's what you do. I'm going to tell you how to fix your life. And, and when you hear enough of that kind of stuff, you know exactly where you want to tell them to go after a while. Because honestly, there's no sympathy, there's no mercy, there's no love, there's nothing. It's just as though they've come there, they're going to throw their two words, their, their two cents at you, and then be along their merry way. They're not interested in knowing what it is that you're going through. The things that you remember having gone through really difficult times is people who were simply there for you, who could identify with what you were going through, who were willing to listen to you in the middle of all of that. And it's through those people that we encounter grace. And really, this is what God wants us, his people, to do, is he wants people to encounter him and his grace when they encounter us. And this is why we can't be engaged in some sort of you know, a religious or righteousness exercise. We can't be engaged in this idea that we're going to try to pretend to be things that we actually aren't. Because it does do exactly what Jesus says it does. It turns us into people who have contempt for those who we feel are beneath us. And that's not what we're here on this earth for. We're here so that people encounter grace and encountering and in encountering that grace they encounter the god who's behind that grace they encounter love and it's something that honestly is divine by its very nature because this love finds its source not in the fact that they have their lives together or that we have our lives together for that matter it's understanding that whether we're going through really good circumstances or bad circumstances, whether our lives are together or falling apart at the seams, God loves us, and we don't need to pretend to be something that we're not. We can just simply experience that love and share it with other people. And that, my friend, is the thing that makes Christianity so unique. It's not our behavior, it's our It's our capacity to love and to share the love of God with everyone that we encounter. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm sorry this has taken a long time between um, episode one and episode two. Um, In fact, I think before episode one went out, or when I was doing episode one, what's interesting is this was like shortly before the election. And now we're weeks post-election, and uh, we still don't definitely know who the president of the United States is. So uh, imagine that. It's something I would have never really expected. Um, But my hope is um, that from this point in time onward, I'll I'll get content out a little little bit more regularly for anybody who is wondering why there was a gap. there was a hunting trip that I went on, and so I had to. I was, it was a little vacation that happened, and so that just so ha- that just ha- so happened to fall right after I actually got the first episode of this podcast out. 
So yeah, plans moving moving forward on definitely much more regular content and hopefully some inter- interviews. So keep in touch and share this with uh, anybody else that you think might enjoy it. Thank you. Bye. Love you guys.